0: Yep, Cliff Central in time for heavy petting every Wednesday, 10 until... 11 and, uh, this is my third last heavy petting show. I'm very sad to say. Um, but I am happy to say that it's a full show. We've got really cool stuff coming up. Um, we'll speak about the covert anti-rhino poaching missions, which have been given a boost with special self-sustaining trailers. I, I went off to the launch of that. Really, really interesting. Um, there's a massive homing drive after that deadly tragedy, which struck Husky Rescue SA. We're visited by. the mom of Milo, the chihuahua who went missing for two days on the OR Tambo Tarmac. Um, We also find out which of Africa's three big cats you might be most similar to. We find that out with the game ranger and speaker, Lorne Sulcus. And we feature another of the world's most intelligent dog breeds. Could it be yours? We'll find out in a bit. Getting right into doggy style on heavy petting. Um, a Husky Rescue SA update for you So last week we chatted to Ian Jones On the phone from Husky Rescue SA Very emotional after Very recently having Been part of a big tragedy Which struck the haven That happened on the 28th of September When Husky Rescue SA was attacked By thousands of bees from a hive That was blown down from the wind Out of a tree Two very brave and beautiful dogs Lost their lives in this attack And Every other dog in the haven was admitted to veterinary care for injuries um, varying in severity. Two of the dogs were critical. I'm very pleased to say that the two dogs who were critical, Spirit and Skylar, we lost. Um, but there was Sonic and Jasmine who have now made a great recovery. Jasmine, I've heard just yesterday, was starting to eat soft food and move around a bit, which is really great. So in honor of Spirit and Skylar who died, um, Husky Rescue SA is inviting everyone, not only to celebrate their lives, but also to help them and help others forget the horrors of that day. So this Sunday from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. at Husky Haven in Lanseria, um, you can get directions off huskyrescue.co.za, there's going to be a big adoption drive because um, the whole aim now is to find uh, the surviving 35 dogs homes a lot of them are very traumatized they are scared of even flies after the attack um and airplanes anything that's in the sky that would be milo who is who's <laughs> already singing a song i can't wait to speak to him um so yes this weekend please go along um your entrance fee is a bag of treats or two for the pups especially teeth cleaning chews um all proceeds go to the haven um they've also got some vet, vet bills to pay as well but if you're looking for a beautiful husky cross husky um thoroughbred malamute malamute cross um go ahead and this might be your time the ha- the uh, haven needs to be cleared of all these animals so yes you can hear him in the background. Over a week ago, we heard of little Milo, who is a nine-month-old Chihuahua Yorkie Cross, who escaped onto the runway at OATAMBO International Airport after his crate broke open. He ran into the felt and he couldn't be found. Messages all over Facebook. I think the whole animal community, and especially all the heavy petters, were distraught to hear about this. Um, it really It really affected me and myself, I'm getting all choked up now. <laughs> so um, initially, no family or SPCA staff were allowed to search for him um, because it's considered a breach of national security and lo and behold, we have little Milo in front of us it's a miracle we 're going to find out exactly how he was found, and uh, we're joined by Jackie, his mom. Welcome Jackie. Hi, thanks. So tell us what happened. Um, I mean, we understand that he his crate was broken open probably just through movement on the plane. It was a turbulent flight, etc. Um and that he broke out and ran onto the tarmac. What happened from there?
1: Well, unfortunately, this all happened in the evening, so it was 7.30 on a Sunday evening. You were on your way back from Durban to yeah, Joburg. Yeah, that's right. So there was not a hell of a lot, I think, that potentially could be done and i felt a little bit helpless in terms of trying to find out what was being done in terms of a search um also with regards to the staff you know the baggage guys actually saw milo run off but then they're not allowed into the area where the airplanes crossed so they couldn't actually physically go and run after him or anything so you're kind of in a situation where because of people being allowed on certain access to certain areas of the airport they kind of knew he was there but it was kind of He was left for a while So Yeah It was just a little bit You know It's a huge place And obviously We're only getting feedback By um, walkie-talkie And that sort of thing So I You know When they say The search is underway I was a little bit Skeptical as to How big That search was For this little chihuahua
0: I mean We've all landed in uh, At the airport Most of us And I mean It's huge expanses Of grass And fenced off areas And tarmacs And uh, I mean He was gone For two nights I can't believe That he is running around Howling, singing songs um, And just wagging his tail And looking really happy yeah. So he wasn't How was he found firstly?
1: Well, the, the, uh, we found him eventually on the Tuesday um, I had kicked up quite a fuss To sure. ensure that we got um, For me, I had been there before On the Monday searching And it was, to me, it almost looked hopeless Because it is, as you say, such a huge place um, That I felt really quite despondent And so on the Tuesday I again kicked up a big fuss and when I got to the airport they were fairly organized we had a team of four people we had um, a sniffer dog and a handler and we went to the area where he thought he would be um, having rained the night before I don't think the sniffer dog was actually that helpful but with all the noise and me I was obviously shouting for him yeah. and perhaps the dog the scent of the dog or something like that it actually scared him from his hiding place and so he started to run yeah. um, from the back of the area where we were searching. And luckily, I mean, it's just crazy how oh, it all happened. Must, I mean, your, your heart must have dropped when you saw him. Well, I didn't see him. This is the thing. It was hilarious. So he was behind where we were searching. And then there were two guys randomly having a smoke break on a second story building who all of a sudden started shouting, there's the puppy, there's the puppy. So I, yeah, I ran like crazy around to where we could possibly see him. Yeah. Um and then of course I had all the staff running behind me going, Don't go there, you you know, that's off limits, oh. you're not allowed to go there. So and I'm like stuff you yeah, <laughs> on the side of there, like really panicking. Um and I mean in between fire and rescue and wildlife control getting there, there must have been three or four planes landing and taking off, and he was, like, just in the middle of the fault. Oh, my word. Um, on the runway. But, look, once they got there...
0: And when I say he's tiny, guys, I mean he's he's the size of a forearm. He's really little.
1: Yeah, and then um, it literally took... Also, it's a little bit comical now than when you think about it, but it took the wildlife... Um, control guys and fire and rescue two buckies full of grown men driving around like a wild chase (laughs) chasing after this little speck on the horizon he was like running his legs off obviously not knowing what was happening then they would get out of the car chase him get back in the car chase him over the runway um i didn't think about it at the time but i suppose there weren't any planes landing or taking off for at least 10 minutes so they must have had to stop it all while they caught him and then yeah eventually they probably tied him out and, uh, that was him. it. Yeah. yeah.
0: So you 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 picked him up and thought, what's wrong with him? Surely there has to be something wrong after he's been totally traumatized out here for two for two well, days. The, well,
1: this is it. I mean, no injuries whatsoever. I had a bottle of water with me in the car, so on our way back to the airport, um, you know, he was drinking water out of my hand. Um, look, he was obviously spooked and very out of breath yeah, from say, the run. Sure. Yeah. Um, but we got home and he was like starving. And then rubbing himself all over the carpet, happy to be home, (laughs) slept the night as he normally does in our, you know, in the bed, no crying, no sort of trauma. It's absolutely amazing. He's a really clever chap, I think.
0: It's such a story. I'm so sorry it had to happen to you. I know. It's just an amazing thing to hear. And you know, there are not many happy endings when it comes to our animals going missing, especially not in that situation. Um, I mean, I know if it was me I'd be lying In bed at night Wondering where he was If he got through a fence If he was hiding Well that was the worst for
1: me Was because I actually thought What happens if he survives At the airport for a week That to me was even You know Worse to think about Him going through All the stress And the strain And the food And I mean You know The the airport is really There's a whole lot Of wildlife out there Um, Never mind I suppose Owls and things like that I mean He could be dinner For one of them Yeah Um, And further out On the runway I mean they've got all sorts of wildlife that are, that is there. So. Jeez. Unbelievable. And
0: it's, I'm so glad to see his little face. Um, we've taken some pictures and I think I've, I've tried to put one on Twitter. I don't know if it's up yet, but, um, go and have a look to see little Milo, um, and his mum, Jackie Funsale, um, who very kindly brought him into us today. He's a very brave little thing, um, and quite hardy too, I imagine after going through that. Thank you so much, Jackie.
1: Great. Thanks, Leanne.
0: So we continue doggy style here on um, Heavy Petting. And uh, up next, we've got Lindsay and Glenn, who are from Alps, which is Animal Lovers Project Swing. Now, they had a spa, a spa, a spa day, certainly not a spa day. <laughs> it was a spay day um, for a whole lot of animals where they work. They're based in the Etwatwa Township on Gauteng's East Rand. Um, Alps Animal Lovers Project Swing was founded by Cassandra Barbosa, and had a very successful spay day. It's their second this year. The final numbers for the Alps 28th September Sterilization Day were amazing. I've just realized the twentieth of September, that was the same day that little Milo went missing. Lots of things happening. Well, the very good news is that these are some of the statistics that we can look at. Four male cats were sterilized, nine female cats sterilized, 39 male dogs sterilized, 14 female dogs sterilized. In total, 175 dogs vaccinated, dewormed, and top spot applied for ticks and fleas. Even a bunny was treated for conjunctivitis. Hi, guys. So, yes, they're, they're in the studio now. We've got uh, Glenn and Lindsay Lester from uh, um, from Alps about the spay day. So, yes, a bunny for conjunctivitis.
2: Yeah, very unusual. We've never seen a bunny before, especially in the township. It's not a a usual pet to see. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. And then, um, 18 dogs treated for other ailments, of which nine have been admitted to Bromhoff Vet. How are they doing? Have they been, um, they've all been discharged. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And obviously you guys are sitting with a big vet bill after that.
2: There's always a big vet bill. Even, um, you know, without the sterilization days, we're constantly having patients admitted to the Bromhoff Vet from, um, the Atatwa Township. So there's always a vet bill that needs to be paid.
0: Lots of wonderful volunteers, 65 of them, nine of which were vets, um, and 550 voice rolls yeah. <laughs> were donated for the owners waiting for their dogs to be sterilized. Really, really great successful day for you guys. Congrats.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it was really awesome.
0: So um, if you do want to contribute towards the cost of the sterilization day and also for the care for the doggies that were admitted to Bromhof Vet and for the unending um, vet bills you can make donations just remember that you can always find them on facebook at at gp um, and also their website it's the full word the full um, acronym spelt out animal lovers project swing animal lovers project swing.co.za so that's that's done and dusted a very successful spay day what's coming up for alps
2: um, we currently have uh, a Zumbathon booked for the 11th of October. Um, which you can get tickets um, from let me check here. Um oh, it's
0: on here. Sorry,
2: from Eleanor.
0: Okay, yeah. Um you can contact her <laughs> on 0833133667,
2: 3667 and um, the tickets are 50 rand and obviously all the proceeds will go to our vet account.
0: What's a Zumbathon? <coughs>
2: It's literally just exercising
0: where they all Zumba Yeah. In a big (laughs) Zumba routining. So it's fun, um it's 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 fitness and you'll be donating to a good cause as well. Absolutely. Okay, so I think it's from eleven in the morning um till one o'clock. A hundred percent of the proceeds will be donated to Alps and I'm sure that anybody who wants to donate dog Dog food food, always welcome. Yeah. Absolutely. Um and where is that taking place? Um, that's in Benoni, okay. Um, at the Northmead Square, okay, perfect. Yeah. So remember, you've got that this Saturday if you're in Joburg, please attend, and also the Husky Rescue SA Adoption Day, which is on Sunday. So you, you could have a, a big animal weekend going on there. Um, Alps also has a raffle going on. That's right, and um,
2: for a Milamoo bed, it's really really cute. It's a um, proper. Um, Proper bed that uh, like dachshunds really like climbing into.
0: Okay, yeah. Nice
2: and comfy. Um, twenty rand per ticket, and obviously all the proceeds go to uh, VetBull again. And you can contact Ilza at ilza at dot co za for tickets.
0: Okay, great. So obviously all these details are also on your Facebook page, Animal Lovers dot yeah. G P. Fantastic. Um, also, there are drop-off points um, yes, if people want to donate food if they can't be there on the day.
2: Absolutely. Um, we are always looking for food. We dish out about a ton of food a month at our monthly food drops. Um, we have food, sorry, four <laughs> drop-off points. Um, one being the Oakfields Vet in Benoni, Bromov Vet in Randburg, Walter Fred and Spa has kindly um, allowed us to have a drop-off point there. So there's a Alps Food Bin where you can just drop your your food into there and the Faramir pick and pay in
0: Bononi also has a food drop off point. Here you go. Sounds absolutely great. Thank you guys for coming in. Congrats on your spay day and good luck this weekend. Um, I might make a donation. I don't think I'm going to Zumba. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already sweating and I'm just sitting down.
2: (laughs) I just,
3: can I just add, yeah,
0: we, absolutely. um,
2: we also have a YouTube channel, um, we go and shoot little videos, um, fantastic for, for Alps. And that's basically, you can just look up, uh, animal, Alps Animal Lovers Project Swing on uh, YouTube and you'll find our channel there. Fantastic. And there's more information in terms of what we do on those videos, which is quite nice.
0: Awesome. Thanks very much, Glenn and also to Lindsay, um, for coming through here from Alps and good luck for this weekend. Thank you, Leanne, for having us. Thanks, Leanne. So we continue doggy style here, and we've been taking a look at the world's most intelligent dog breeds. Um, I know you're probably wondering how clever your dog is and if your dog ranks among the 10 brightest breeds in the world. Um, And also we have to ask, do smarter dogs actually make better pets? Not all the time. Well, here's the list we've covered so far. In 10th place, the Australian Cattle Dog. In 9th place, Rottweiler. Eighth place, the Papillon. Seventh place, Labrador Retriever. In number six is the Shetland Sheepdog, which we spoke about last week. And this week, we feature the fifth most intelligent dog breed in the world. It's the Doberman Pinscher.
4: An old German saying offers, if you can touch my Doberman, you can take him home. Air Carl Lewis Doberman. Spent the last 15 years of his life mixing and blending breeds to create his prized defender. 120 years later, the Doberman Pincher remains a loyal companion. Gentler in spirit, but still capable of defending a public servant. Come on, buddy. Sergeant Ron Packard is a 28-year veteran of Northern California's Union City Police Department. He trained his own pet Doberman to be his partner. The good thing about these dogs, whether it's a Shepherd or the Doberman, is that they all have good temperaments in order to be out here. A Doberman is well-suited for police work as he is highly intelligent.
1: Right turn.
4: Has amazing endurance and is full of self-confidence, though not overly gregarious. Come. Obedience can be difficult for the Doberman to master because it restrains his natural impulse to roam and explore. Thank you. Dobermans excel in police work because they're extremely loyal. They're aware of danger, but are willing to confront a threat without regard to their own safety.
5: Come on out. I'll send the dog in and he'll bite when we'll he finds you.
4: The Doberman's highly developed smell enables him to pick up a scent under almost any situation.
5: Find
4: Rommel remains highly alert until his search is complete. Is he
6: there?
4: Sergeant Rommel lives with both standard shades of Doberman. Rommel is fawn-colored. His buddy is the more traditional black and tan.
7: Dobies
4: like Rommel have a gentler personality off the clock. In fact, today's Dobie pet is more likely to be sweet-tempered and agreeable. I don't think that you can find uh, a more loving and affectionate dog. And don't forget Loyal. They'll always be there for you the perception of the Doberman isn't necessarily the reality. Before you adopt one of these valiant German thoroughbreds, chew on this. For protection, the Doby gets four treats out of four, simply one of the best guard dogs around. Also four treats for intelligence. The Doby is keen and sensitive to what's happening around him. The Dobie's health. Two treats. Wobblers and heart disease are possible. Personality awards the Doberman three treats. Males tend to be more assertive. Both are loyal and brave. And for trainability, four treats out of four. These dogs are anxious to learn. The Doberman Pinscher's perceptive skills and powerful form make it a breed apart from
0: all others. That's it. The Doberman Pinscher, the fifth most intelligent dog in the world. So more doggy style today. Lots of doggy style. I like that. Um, Oh, that sounded horrible. Right. Uh, (laughs) I've mentioned that I will be moving to Cape Town after living in Joburg all my life. Um, And to celebrate my Jo'burg farewell, I'm off to Bee fest at Monte Casino this year. So Bee fest this time is over two weekends for the first time in Jo'burg, so there's no excuse for not getting tickets. The first dates are from a Friday to a Sunday, that's the 17th to the 19th of October, so that's not this weekend, but next weekend, um, and I'll be having a little bit of a a farewell party there on the Friday, the seventeenth, so join me if you if you would like, please. um the next dates are from the twenty fourth to the twenty sixth of october that's the very next weekend so besides the beer obviously um, <laughs> the dressing up I believe my Fraulein outfit has been made as we speak, very exciting, and the party one of the most important reasons i'll be there is because Dogtown is beadfest's first ever animal benefit charity. And Dogtown's Tracy Macquarie is here to tell us how it's all gonna work. Hi Tracy. Hi. Thanks we've, for having me. We've had you on the phone before. Yes, yeah. It's have. good to have you in the studio. Thank you. Thank you. So okay, it's it's how is Dogtown going to benefit from this?
3: Basically when people buy their tickets online, um, there's a code there that you just fill in the word barking and then we will get a percentage of those sales of the tickets.
0: I believe it's ten percent of the ticket sales. Um, across all the ticket grades. And yes, so if you go to iTickets, you can, you can buy your tickets there. Um, and so just fill in the code BARKING. So anyone still thinking of buying their tickets in Joburg, remember the BARKING code and know that 10% of your ticket fee is going towards making some homeless hounds happy. What else is happening at Dogtown at the moment?
3: We're extremely busy at the moment. Um, barking Mad Dogtown has recently bought their own um, property. Um, So we are doing major fundraising to try and now rebuild the center that we've built over the past five years onto the new property. And obviously we're wanting to build it bigger and better and help more animals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously you're needing funds for this.
3: Oh, yes. None of this comes easy.
0: <laughs> I mean, when does this, when does an animal charity ever sit down and say, no, we've got enough? <laughs> I'll probably not be around anymore. <laughs> exactly. So um, will I be able to see you at Bee Fest? Or are you going to come along?
3: Oh, yes. We'll be there um, all showing our faces and hopefully trying to convince people while they're sipping back a beer that uh, adopting a dog is a good idea. It's the best
0: time to get them. <laughs> Although you will have to check the next day to see if they did make yeah. the right decision. <laughs> okay, so some more Beadfest doggy facts for you. The Dachshund is the official animal mascot of Beardfest. Um, I'm hoping that there'll be a couple around. If you have one, perhaps you can bring one. Um, Beardfest is staffed by devout animal lovers. Uh, one of them is an ex-game ranger turned shark conservationist. Um, they are three dog lovers, two cat lovers, a rat owner, and one vegetarian. So getting an animal charity on board has been a major personal win for the event and is by no means a token gesture. Um, these guys are really into it, so I'm very proud to be part of it. The human charity, if you're interested, is the Sunflower Fund. So you can get your Bee Fest tickets on iTickets, their code again. Barking. Put in barking, and um, it's that's because it's barking mad and dog time, yes. which work which work together. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so um, that's barking, and you can get your tickets on iTickets. Tracy Macquarie, thank you so much.
3: Thank you, and, and good thank luck with you, your project. Fest, because this is one of the first time they've actually a big event like this has gave a, an animal charity a chance to be promoted and to benefit from it. So we are so grateful. Oh
0: man, so happy for you guys! Fantastic. Okay, it's time to help a horny friend. Now... Thousands of people in South Africa and around the world marched on Saturday to demand that governments do more to stop illegal trade in slaughtered rhinos and elephants. The protests were organized by a movement of grassroots groups. They were held in 136 cities and towns across six continents, all the way from Soweto to San Francisco and Tokyo. So In South Africa itself, demonstrators gathered in 17 cities. The whole aim of it, well, Dex Kotze, who's one of the march organizers, said at the event that the march was in protest against the political leaders of the world who don't have the guts or political will to make changes in their laws. Well, let's hope that it made a big statement. I went along this week um, to the unveiling by Rhino Action Group effort, or RAGE, um, of four specially designed trailers, Uh, And those trailers were developed with funds raised through a TW Steel initiative. You'll remember we gave away a TW Steel Rhino Rage watch to a very lucky heavy petter. Um, And these are to be used in the fight against rhino poaching. Um, I went along to learn more about these trailers, and they really aren't just any trailer. They have got a whole lot of stuff going on them and in them and around them, um, and the story behind them is really interesting. They'll be covertly deployed with anti-poaching unit or APU personnel to undisclosed locations. So um, as much as I asked, they wouldn't be revealed, and I wouldn't have revealed them myself anyway. Um, we have been told, though, that they are going to be located in reserves on the western side of the Kruger National Park, as well as in the Eastern Cape.
6: The trailer is developed as a mobile picket. In other words, the moment we start to pick up infiltration onto a reserve, we move an APU team into the area of deployment on a covert basis. We will move this in late afternoon, uh, uh, nighttime. The trailer itself is enough to sustain not only itself, but the personnel who are reliant on it. So you had a solar panel, solar panel putting power into three deep cycle batteries. From the deep-cycle batteries, we're able to charge radios, maintaining communication lines. Because the guys are deployed in sometimes in extremely high-temperature areas, as you know, uh, uh, 38, 40 degrees, inside there is a, um, a deep freeze, which also is run off the, the system, um, so the guys can put their, 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 their meat and their food in a storage area. They're able to take all their food, water, bedding, inside here or tents. And then if you look at the trailer itself, it's got little panels, for example, this box in front of me, that folds down and you've got a gas stove. Now, why are we using gas? Because if we use wood fire, obviously poachers or people would be aware of your presence. So we don't want to create a footprint warning people of our presence. Everything has been designed to provide for complete uh, uh, self-sustainability for a period of up to 10 days. And then they will be resupplied or redeployed elsewhere.
0: So how many people would this trailer supply?
6: Dependent on the duration that they'd be deployed um, in the bush, but typically you would have um, a stick of six to ten guys, and they could very easily um, uh, survive from, from this as an operational base.
0: I believe there's an electric fence in the trailer as well. What is its purpose?
6: <laughs> in the areas that we, we deploy it, um, elephant are very curious creatures, and they will certainly come and, and uh, try to work out as to what this piece of equipment is. Uh, obviously baboons, and hyena and lion all of those have historically destroyed equipment that we have had out in the bush if the guys are out doing patrols or ops etc so uh, connected to the electronic system we put a small electric fence around the trailer which then obviously uh, uh, gives the guys peace of mind that you know their equipment is being protected and also my type You know, they've been on on patrols, they've been on OPs, they need to rest up well. Um, So they they can rest up without fear of being, you know, irritated by a lion or having their gear carried away by by a hyena.
0: Have you got teams ready for these, uh, to be deployed with these and to start work immediately?
6: We already have, in all the reserves, operational teams. They're already out there. This was identified as a need insofar as historically you have what's known as a static picket point where the guys would go and and say, and that would be an existing structure with toilets, showers and so on. But obviously the poachers know where those places are and therefore would avoid them. So we are now taking the problem to the enemy, for want of a better word. We know where the hot zones are and that's based on either information, intelligence that we've picked up or from Spur visible sightings of incoming groups, as well as hotspots. We've identified rhino may have been killed in a particular area, gunshots heard, etc. So we move the the APU team. We don't want them to be wasting time going from their static picket to their area, area of deployment. We want them to be able to be leaving their picket and be operational virtually immediately.
0: Which areas are these trailers going into?
6: I'm not going to describe the, the reserves by by name, but the one community is what's known as the Game Reserves United, which are all the reserves on the western side of Kruger National Park. Also, it is going into another national park, a Sand Parks Reserve.
0: Okay, so that's what happens when you leave the editing to me instead of giving it to Duncan, our producer. I apologize. <laughs> Sorry, Duncan. <laughs> okay, um, so yeah, the trailers, as as you've heard, really, really interesting. And um, what's really great is that it was all part of TW Steel's fundraising initiative launched in September 2013. Um, they've raised 260 thousand rand to date. So it was that money that was used to have these trailers specially designed. The uh, TW Steel Rhino Rage project continues, and if you want to offer your support, you can buy a limited edition TW Steel Rhino Rage watch. The place you go to buy it is the following um, website. It's www.twsteelrhinorage.co.za. The watches can also be bought using e-bucks through ebucks.com, and 50% of the proceeds go to Rage. Today is a very important day for animals all around the world A potentially groundbreaking court case for animals Unfolds today in an American court One man is fighting for his pet chimps Primate personhood Now what that means is that chimpanzees If he wins this Would be considered as people In the eyes of the court He has Animalist News
8: Hi guys, I'm Katie Wayne and this is Animalist News. Tomorrow, on Wednesday, October 8th, a Supreme Court case will be opened arguing that chimpanzees should be recognized as a person on behalf of Tommy the pet chimpanzee. Tommy belongs to Patrick Lavery and is being kept in a metal cage and that is not cool, so says the Non-Human Rights Project. They feel that Tommy and all chimpanzees should be recognized as people and therefore entitled to a writ of habeas corpus or the right to due process and as a result should be allowed to live in a sanctuary that mimics his natural habitat. Last December, the Supreme Court rejected the case, but the organization has asked for an appeal and so tomorrow they will appear in front of five judges to argue their case. Now to be clear, if this case passes, this does not mean that chimpanzees will be considered human, nor is the organization fighting to achieve human rights for chimpanzees. They are only arguing that chimps are highly intelligent, self-aware, autonomous beings that fit the profile of a persons in the eyes of the law. But what is really interesting about this case is the fact that if it passes, it could open the door to personhood for all all kinds of different animals like dogs and cats. Veterinarians may be concerned about malpractice lawsuits which would obviously become more complicated if dogs and cats are granted personhood. Similarly farmers are concerned that if cats and dogs are granted personhood cows and chickens could be next and then the livestock industry could no longer be. Not to mention scientists may no longer have the ability to use animals in research which is used in basic science and clinical treatment. Other countries, like Spain and Germany, have faced similar debates and ended up awarding apes and other animals special rights into their constitutions. What do you guys think? Should animals be granted personhood? Why or why not? I'm pretty torn on this personally.
0: Oh, let's know what you do. I want to know what you think. So you can message us to um, on WeChat straight to the studio. So you go to the Cliff Central official account, or OA, and you can message straight off of that page. Um, yes, we will keep you updated on that. Who knows what's going to happen We'll find out later today So now which of Africa's three big cats Are you most similar to We find out with game ranger And speaker Lorne Sulkis. What drew you to the three big cats
9: I became Fascinated by Animal behaviour Behavioural ecology It just it was like everything I could get my hands on, and I did a lot of reading while we were there. Because mm. as a ranger, you're guiding, but there's always the opportunity. You know, you're know, you not guiding 24 hours a day. Mm. You're typically guiding for three to four hours in the morning and three to four hours in the evening. And at the private reserves, the hospitality side of things is pretty intense. Mm. So, you know, and it, it's tiring. You smile I and mean, be nice to people the whole time. So that's a big part of the job but there's always an opportunity to improve yourself. And so I started reading lots about animal behavior. I talked to people. I went on a, a course with a guy called Gus Mills, who is arguably one of the foremost and, and most respected predator scientists in the world. And so he's Gus, a
0: big influence for
9: you? He, Gus was a big influence sort of directly and indirectly. Got, I was lucky enough to spend about three or four days with him in the Kruger Park. But I, I've read a lot of his papers and a lot of his material. And after the three or four days that I spent with him on this course, which was sponsored by Savi Sabi, who I was working with, they sent me off because they knew I had an interest. And then I started a, a predator research project in in the area, in the Sabi-Sabi area. And what had happened was, over, over the years, the, the trackers who worked there all had a, an, an amazing... You know, none of them, or very few of them, were even literate. But they had an amazing memory for the natural history of the predators that we were seeing. With elephants... You know, and, and rhinos, it's a little bit more difficult to know their actual individuals unless they've got very specific markings. And, you know, the elephants, the home rangers are much bigger. and But the cats in particular are very territorial, and they have very distinct territories. And so we knew that we were seeing the same individual animals over and over again. And the trackers were able to tell us, years of you know stories spanning over years of time of of how they'd seen this one born at this time and this was part of a pride this line was part of a pride of six at the time and then three were killed and and they had all that natural history in their heads mm. so I figured if we could put a little bit of science to that natural history we could we could really understand these predators really really well and that would translate into better, uh, it would make ecological sense because from a conservation standpoint, understanding the history of the, these individual animals allowed us to protect them and also made for what we hoped would be a much better experience for the guests who were coming there because we had more knowledge. So. I started this research project, and it was uh, it was a little ambitious at the beginning because I thought I'm going to study like all the predators because I'm I was fascinated by the hunting mm. behaviour and the, the the strategies that they used. And and the moment I got there, I was going, hey, this is what happens in a corporate world. Mm. You know, they're using the same elements of 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 success and excellence. They they have focus. They work together as teams. They they lead effectively they have leading strategies they have strategies for hunting they have a, a, each each predator has a specific niche in the in the environment that's different from so all of that i was seeing lots of similarities and yeah. i was getting very excited yeah and so this predator research project we had we traversed over about just under 6000 hectares which is quite a nice size area but it's not massive and in particular cheetah who of the cats, of the three big cats, have the largest home ranges? Lions and leopards have distinct territories. Mm-hmm. Cheetahs have more of a home range. Cheetahs so, so need, they roam more. They roam they more. Move. Exactly, and they they well, need l-
0: lions are apparently notoriously quite lazy.
9: Yeah, lions are conserve their food. There's some myths which, if you like, I'd be happy to talk about surrounding lions and about why they're lazy and and you know all of that, but. So, the the project started as a little ambitiously, as I said, to try and Mm. study all three cats. And because we weren't seeing cheetah that regularly, because their home ranges are so much bigger, and because where we were in the Sabi Sand was quite close to the Sabi River, and therefore quite wooded, cheetah prefer more open areas. Savannah areas, exactly. And Sabi Sabi, there are some open areas, and we did see cheetah, but not that often. Whereas lion and leopard were pretty much always on the property somewhere. We might not always have seen them every day, but we knew they were around. And we knew how many there were. And we knew, in the case of lions, the compositions of the prides. And in the case of leopards, we knew, you know, that there were three females that we used to see on this particular area quite regularly. There were two that we saw much less regularly. And there were two males that we saw. And so... You know, that the combination of all of that made the study of the leopard and the lion populations much, much easier than the cheetah.
0: So then in that case, can you give me an example of how humans interact in a corporate environment um, that's related to the way leopards act? Okay.
9: Well, and I I talk about this in my Thriving in a Wild World presentation that I give in a corporate setting is one thing the leopard has, over all the other cats, is an incredible ability to be adaptable and opportunistic. There are some good reasons for that. The way leopards hunt is, their hunt is characterized by a, a stalk to within meters of its prey, really, really close.
0: And are they doing this alone, or do they have They are have a totally
9: solitary. Leopards okay. are absolutely solitary. You, you occasionally will see a, a male with a female either they're courting or he's uh, stealing his her kill which does happen sometimes uh, or you'll see a female with cubs if you're really extremely lucky but other than that if you see more than one leopard at a time you can count yourself really lucky yeah. because leopards are solitary.
0: so he's on his own and he's, he's closing in he's
9: so on his own, he's closing in patiently, I've seen leopards stalk for an hour and move one meter they wait, they, they they they're very careful about when they make that final charge.
0: So you're, if you're be, thinking along the humans in, in the working world, um, one hour we could translate to two months or three months of someone waiting for this position that they've been looking for, or something like that.
9: Yeah, or being or being dedicated to be patient. Being, yeah, being dedicated to a task. Mm. You know, and one of the things I talk about in my talk is how leopards are able to maintain a focus regardless of any distractions. When they hone in on a goal, they stick with it. doesn't matter what happens. And because their hunt is, or their charge is typically over a very short distance, the energy expenditure in their hunt is actually relatively low. So they can afford to be hunting often. And they can afford to be very opportunistic, and that gives them the ability to adapt very easily to different conditions. And of all the predators, the leopard is by far the most adaptive and the most opportunistic, of all of them. And and leopards, despite the fact that they're very elusive and very secretive, they are found all over southern Africa. They are very, very widespread because of their ability to adapt they can hunt different prey. They can hunt in different conditions. They can hunt in different terrain, and they can be comfortable in those different conditions. It gives them the ability to adapt. And what I sometimes find, especially in in some of the corporates, there's a rigidity and um, a, a lack of ability to to adapt or see other opportunities. Mm. And that's one thing that we can really learn from the left.
0: That's Lauren Sulkis, who I spoke to in Cape Town. He did a big talk on a series of talks on the three big cats, um, specifically in the corporate world and, uh, which cat you're most similar to. I mentioned it to Gareth Cliff this morning on the show and he said he's a leopard. Well, listening to that, he definitely is a leopard. Um, we'll, we'll be sure to let him know. Um, okay. So let's take a quick break here on Heavy Petting on Cliff Central and uh, we'll be back with a little bit more about big cats. In this case, the cheetah.
10: Oh, this wild, wild
0: love of ours, it can't be tamed Oh, this wild, wild love of ours, it can't be tamed Oh, for better or worse, a blessing or a curse Long live this wild, wild love
7: of ours Get it, kitty, don't stop, get it, get it, baby, let me pet it I got that wild love, love to get wild, dirty, pretty nasty, yeah, I said it I make you lose your heart and your mind at the same time, don't believe me, bet it I'm obsessed with that wild love, for show. Sure. even though it's a catch-22 It's the gift and the curse, for show. Sure. but baby, you know that you love it, too, that's why. You need it, you want it, all over your body It's loving, I'm giving. it's worth more than money You need it, you want it All over your body, I know that you want this wild, wild love. I like my women yang, I like my women yang, I like my fan, I like them off the chain. Take them all, the world cup, Brazil, the bang. You know I meet them, greet them, read them, treat them, always keep them feeling right. I don't know if I can handle all five, but baby, we could try tonight. Bye. You need it, you want it, all over your body. This loving, I'm giving, it's worth more than money. You need it, you want it, all over your body. I know that you want this wild, wild world.
0: Heavy petting on Cliff Central and, uh, if you would like to message us on WeChat to the studio, please do. Even if they're well wishes for little Milo. Milo is a little Chihuahua who went missing last week on the OR Tambo International Airport runway and tarmac. Um, and he was gone for two days before he was found by his mom and he came in to visit us a little bit earlier. Sweet little thing. Um, so yes, uh, we we were listening to Lauren Sulkin, who was telling us about um, the three big cats and how similar we are in the business world to either the leopard, cheetah, or lion. Um, something about the cheetah to keep in mind is that the wild cheetah population is drastically declining. Um, now there's a bit of debate about what's causing this. Um, Trace from D News um, will spe- will be on on the clip in a little bit, talking about the way that cheetahs never prosper, and in fact how they might be responsible for their own demise. Let's hear what they have to say. Hey
5: everybody, it's Trace. Thanks for watching DNews. Ever since I was a kid, I loved the cheetah. It's definitely one of my favorite animals on our planet. Cheetahs are speedy, as you probably know. They can hit top speeds of 70 to 75 miles an hour. They live mainly in Africa, though they can also be found in the Middle East. I didn't know that. Cheetahs are notoriously difficult to breed in captivity and don't rebound from population destruction particularly easily. In 1900, the cheetah population was around 100,000. Today it's more like 10,000. And yes, we are to blame. Climate changes, habitat destruction, the whole nine yards. We are seriously screwing up the planet! But that's not the important thing here, is it? By some measures, cheetahs are doing this to themselves. Researchers from three continents work together to learn more about how the cheetah is contributing to its own demise. Their paper in the journal Science is titled, Cheetahs Never Prosper. Good one, guys. It all comes back to their speed. Cheetah evolution has afforded them super speed, but not much else. They don't have the heaviest claws or the strongest defenses. Their defensive play is the same as their offensive one. They run. Once they've made a kill, they don't defend it. Come on, cheetahs! What are you doing, man? There's no playground mother to tell. You just gotta get in there and try and fight for it. Hyenas and lions take advantage of their packs and their strengths to steal kills from cheetahs, driving that zippy kitty away, forcing it to expend even more energy to then go look for a new meal. According to the researchers, the energy a cheetah uses to make a single kill is, quote, relatively small, even taking into account their bursts of speed. Instead, the biggest driver of energy expenditure for the cheetahs turned out to be the distance they had to walk in order to find their prey. Because their kills weren't being defended, cheetahs aren't able to regain the energy that they'd lost by looking for a new catch. You might be thinking, damn those lions and hyenas stealing the cute little cheetah's food, but that's not the actual problem. The problem is these cats have to trek across farmland and around fences or walls. Yeah, it's us again. Cheetahs are walking themselves to death in order to find safe hunting grounds to make another kill. Remember how I said, It wasn't about us? Yeah, I I lied. Added to that, the cheetah is pretty easy to tame and has now become a luxury pet in the Middle East. It's possible to tame cheetahs and have them walk on a leash and play safely with humans. And ancient African royalty would take them and use them as hunting pets. Because of this, the poachers steal cheetah cubs, further increasing their level of population decline and then sell them to people who are really rich and want cheetah pets.
0: It's time for Sea View here on Heavy Petting on Cliff Central. And uh, a study released just this Monday suggests that dolphins might be able to sense the Earth's magnetic field and possibly use it as a means of navigation. You think you've heard this before, but uh, this, there's some new stuff that's, that's come out um, that I didn't even know was under study. Here's Newsies' Lauren Gores.
10: Dolphins can jump, they can shake, make friends with NBA All-Stars, and according to new research released Monday, they might have an even cooler trick. The study, conducted by researchers in France, provided evidence of magnetoreception in dolphins. Basically, that means dolphins might be able to sense Earth's magnetic field. If that were the case, researchers say the animals could use this sense as a means of navigation — a sort of biological Google Maps. Ah! The study looked at six bottlenose dolphins. Researchers set up two barrels — one contained magnetized blocks, the other had demagnetized blocks. Dolphins swam toward the magnetized one more quickly. Researchers say this is, to our knowledge, the first experimentally obtained behavioral evidence for sensitivity to magnetic stimuli and cetaceans. That said, all other behavior remained consistent between the barrels, so researchers say further study is needed to provide conclusive findings. TIME reports, if the findings hold up to scrutiny, it would be a momentous discovery. Although many animals are suspected to orient themselves using the Earth's magnetic pole, there's precious little proof that this is the case. A previous study by researchers at Baylor found pigeons also use the Earth's magnetic field as a GPS. Live Science says animals that do this might have ferromagnetic particles, like magnetite, in their bodies. Although magnetite has been found in the brain membranes of dolphins, it doesn't prove the animals use it to sense magnetic fields. Researchers say it is possible dolphins were simply intrigued by the magnetized blocks rather than physically drawn to them. I'm Lauren Gorse for Newsy.
0: That pretty much wraps it up for heavy petting today, but I do want to just go back and have a look, um, especially if you're in Joburg this weekend and next weekend. um, There are lots of things that you can do to help animals around you. Um, I know that last week was – the uh, big march for rhino and elephant protection. Um, so <laughs> if your legs aren't tired from that, then you can get to um, the big Zumba Day. It's a, it's a zumba which Alps is holding this weekend. Um, it's taking place on Saturday. That's the Saturday from 11 until 1. 100% of the proceeds donated to Alps. Dog food, obviously, very welcome. It's a two-hour zumba at Northmead Square, which is on um, Hartings East Rand, and remember that Alps is a project which um, uh, which works along the uh, township areas in Etowah on Hartings East Strand. They've just had a recent, very successful Spay Day, and they came in to told us tell us about that just a little bit earlier. Um, also, we updated you on Husky rescues um, attack by bees. Um, all the animals have now been cleared and released um, from or, or discharged from from various vets. Um, but they are very traumatized after the bee attack. They're scared of flies. They're scared of airplanes, and um, Husky Rescue just wants to find them all good homes. So there are thirty-five of them looking for homes. So if you're interested in in uh, adopting a husky or a malamute or a cross, um, then then please go along. That's Sunday, this Sunday, from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. At Husky Haven, Lance area, you can get directions on huskyrescue.co.za. Your entrance fee is a bag of treats um, for the pups, especially teeth cleaning um, shoes. And food and drinks will be on sale and proceeds will benefit the haven. You can r- remember to go to huskyrescue.co.za for those details. Uh, and then next weekend, it's time for Beardfest. And one of the reasons why I'll be going on Friday, the 17th of October, is because... Uh, Dogtown is Befest's first ever animal benefit charity. Now, um, Dogtown will get 10% of all ticket sales from Bee Fest. That's if you use the code BARKING to book your tickets. So you go into iTickets um, and there... You'll see that there's a place to fill in a code when booking your ticket. There you type in Barking, and then SA will benefit from that. So that's uh, at Monte Casino on the 17th to the 19th of October. That's a Friday to a Sunday. And uh, more fest in Joburg on the 24th to the 26th of October. Thanks very much for the message from Melissa on WeChat. She says, just sad to hear that you're leaving, that's all. Oh, thanks, Melissa. I'm sad that I'm leaving too, um, but... Uh, yeah, you never know what might happen in the future, so I'll keep you guys updated. That wraps it up for Heavy painting. Up next, it's Rookies and Rockstars with Jade, and Simba has come along today as well.